Showdown 44 was game of the round. Ben Ronk and Robbie Graham bought back the modern-day positionless forward bag. And apparently footy's now fixed again. But what was always good was our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel. The number one viewing spot for all things footy, good beverages, good food, good fun, a good time, and of course, bloody good footy. Need a place to watch the round nine action? Head down to the corner of Langridge and Hoddle Street in Abbotsford and have yourself a good time. And before I welcome... Old Brighton's answer to who will be the next Luke Beveridge. Let's check out the What Are The Odds Kitty for season 2018. Our round eight was another break-even round, which, you know, is okay. It's neither here nor there. And we are still down 9% overall for the season. But our best bet got up yet again for a 70% strike rate. We've had 10 bets so far over the eight rounds. Seven have got up. But we have a whopping 47% return on investment. So make sure you listen out to the end of this episode for our best bet for round nine. Much of that is due, of course, to my co-host and Vaffa junior coaching extraordinaire, Brian Barrel-Randall. Welcome to the round nine pod. I don't know if you can call me that after our performance last Saturday, the under-19s, but uh, you know, well, we're, we're pretty good. Yep. But uh, when you kick nine goals, 20, and lose by four points, and the other team only has 13 or 14 scoring shots, you've got to uh, question yourself a little bit. Surely you just blame the kicking coach. I don't have one, so uh, oh, man, that's this falls back on me, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, we've been saying all year, uh, you follow our best bets, our value bets, our multis and stuff, our, our main bets each week, so there's four of them, and, and you're generally going to finish in front, and again, our best bet was like $2.80 odd, mm-hmm. so, and yeah, look, our multi, your mob let us down. Yeah. Well, you know, north cost us, really. Well, no, when you kick five goals as if in a second quarter... And I'm looking at it going, yeah, the multi's job, good here. Job done. Tick, change channel. <laughs> tick, change channel. Get on with Mother's Day lunch. And then you look back and realise that... They couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go because I've got a, my best this week. Oh, I think, I think we're going to be in agreement. I think the weekend fill-up comes in the last game of the round. Oh, I'll have to like, yes. Tune in, tune in because I think I very much agree as well. So, but yeah, that's that's where we're at. And our best bet, 7 out of 8, it's pretty good, isn't it? I think Absolutely. Melbourne's the only team that's let us down with that. And we're never going back. The Ds <laughs> are in the bad books. Speaking of teams to check out, this week's Coach's Corner is another edition of Sliding Doors. And as we said last week, the game between Collingwood and Geelong would be interesting regardless of the style of footy and the result. And whilst the game was a bit of a fizzler, it was a 9-12-66 to a very under-19s Brotonians-esque 5-15-45 uh, plenty of things to come out from that match. More injuries to the Collingwood Magpies with Darcy Moore and Phillips likely to miss games going forward. And uh, plenty of question marks other than answers when it comes to the Cats. So uh, the spectacle wasn't great, but what can we make of the teams? We'll start with Geelong. What did you take out of their weekend performance? Well, they, obviously both coaches spoke about it after the game. Geelong have definitely gone more defensive. They, they've got more numbers behind the ball with their zone. And they're, they're forcing teams to play slow because if you play quick, you're going to turn the ball over pretty quickly. And I don't think that helped Collingwood because Collingwood's been playing that very frantic handball run style of play. So it held us up a bit. We weren't very clean either. Maybe the you know the three games in 13 days or 12 days and then have, only having a seven-day break to a nine-day break probably hurts a bit as well. And, you know, carrying players a bit injured and... Obviously, Darcy Moore and you know, Grundy's still not 100%, but he's still playing. Didn't help us. And yeah, I just I could tell within the first five, 10 minutes, you would have seen on the chat we have that I wasn't very confident. And 
pretty much wrote us off, so we're not here today, we haven't turned up. But we, we, we kept in it. You know, Geelong had their pretty much dominated the game for most of it, but it couldn't put us away. So, you know, defence held up all right. Geelong, look, they're going to be all right this year, I think. They'll definitely finish top six. Still got a few concerns about their... About, obviously, Dangerfield's carrying injury. They, they don't have to rest him at some point. Salwood still looks a bit proppy as well, and then how you nurse Gary, but I think they've got enough depth around at the moment from blokes who are chipping in, especially Callie and a few others. That... Yeah, so that probably starts one of my first talking points for the for the Cats, is that do they have enough non-Gary Dangerwood players to, to carry the load? And if you look at their champion player ratings, obviously Selwood and Paddy are way in front. Uh, Ablett's a bit below because of just he doesn't play enough games at the moment. Then you've got a weird mix between Meningolo and Duncan are kind of on the rise and kind of pulling their weight. But then you've got the next level players of Menzel, Hawkins, Smith and Blitzarbs kind of dropping each game yeah. and losing touch. So do you think you think they're going to be a top six side? Do they have enough to make? Do they have enough talent across the board? And perhaps it's relying more on Big E and Kelly to come in and carry the load a bit more to be a top four side, or are they more yeah five to eight with talent alone? I think they they could probably push top four. We'll see how tight it is at the moment. I think they're really going to rely on obviously Cam Guthrie coming back. Nakaya Cockatoo um, and Parfit. I think they, add, they especially Cockatoo and Parfit, add a bit of X Factor, like, you know, your Motlop sort of stuff. So I think they're really going to rely on them coming back. And also they need Menzel and Hawkins fit to kick goals because as, as good as Big Sav's been, he's, he's still young, he's still at 19, still learning the caper. He's got a lot of about him. I think he's going to be a great player for him. But, and he's probably going to be better when Hawkins and, and Menzel are down there help giving a chop out so he's not getting a number one defender but to have him carrying the you know the the whole workload and obviously Kamiri came into it a bit as well and you've had Gregson come back from injury he's been good Hall and Smith wasn't too bad obviously Lockie Henderson still to come back um, and yeah obviously there's probably a few others there that might come in and you know Scott Selwood comes back as well my big problem for them at the moment is their ruck you can't rely on either of those ruckmen to, to do a job. And I think Colin probably missed the opportunity to rest Grundy this week because I reckon Coxie could have done a job with those two. But, yeah, I think they've still got enough upside with blokes coming back from injury if they get them back uh, to finish top six and really push for that top four spot, especially um, you know the likes of Dangerfield, Ablett and Salwood. If those three are pretty fit going in the finals, then... That midfield's pretty strong. And obviously, Dangerfield's been playing more forward. Uh, but I reckon Ablett should play forward and definitely Dangerfield should be playing more mid-time. Well, that leads into my second question is, at the moment when Ablett does play, he's our leading disposal getter. So in his four games he's played this year, he's averaged 33 disposals. But it's everything else around that that's kind of the concern. So goal assists, clearances and inside 50s are below his career average and significantly below. We're talking about 25%. Uh, and his tackle numbers are pretty much non-existent. But also, his contested possession ratio has dropped from 45% to 32%, and his clanger rates increased from 11 to 15 this year. So, across all that, as you mentioned, is it time that uh, Chris Scott does what everyone said he should have done at the start of the year and play Ablett forward as your goal sneak, give the Geelong fans what they want, and then make sure that Paddy plays more of a ballistic mid and that contested mid that they're kind of missing at the moment? Could you give Selwood a chop out? Yeah, I reckon... I, I, 
I think he's been used more as a link man. That's why he's probably getting so many more touches. I know he's been handballing a lot this year. Mm. I don't know if he's generally been a more of a handball. Well, just his, his handball and kick, just his possession numbers have increased, yeah. like by 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 evenly. So it's been both just more handballs and more kicks. Yeah, I reckon you'd find a lot of his kicks that would be twenty to twenty five meters. A lot of his handballs would be back of mid, like back of the so back half. Yeah. And he's been used a lot around that link play. You don't really see, I haven't really seen him get in around the congestion a lot. That's probably why his congested, congested, contested footy numbers are down. But yeah, he's still very smart, so that's why I'd play him forward. And, mm. But then they might they might be seeing him as that link player because he's pretty good with his with his decision making and his disposal. But for me, he's smart. He gets he knows how to kick a goal. We saw it in the weekend. He got four. I think it was in the second quarter and crumbed a nice goal and. I think that's more his go. He's a lot better. We know how good Dangerfield can be, but I still don't think Dangerfield's possessions are dangerous. No. Because they're very rushed. He's not a great kick. If if Abbott had 20 touches in the forward half, especially in the forward 50, mm. he'd create a lot more issues than what Danger would get in those possessions. So that's how I see it. And Danger can get out of the congestion. and He can lay a tackle. He, you know, he scraps for it a lot. Ablett's body probably won't allow him to do that. Mm. So yeah, I'd and even the way that Danger disposal as well, that he gets more meters per disposal. So playing yeah. him behind center or in line with center means that you're going to gain more territory, and you have more opportunities to give it to Gaz, to give it to your ex, other X player players in the in Parfit and yeah. two and play it that way. Yeah, as opposed to expecting, you know, two or three elite kicks to get you from back fifty to the forward fifty. Because you know, they don't have two. If they had two Ablets or two Ablet esque players playing the wing and halfbacks, then that'd be fine. Yeah, be kick, kick, and, well, you, and you go. Two has been really good it. for them across halfbacks. So is Stewart, hmm. like Stewart's risen from nowhere, really. And uh, the best thing about uh, Big Sav is Hawkins finally gets a chop out. So Hawkins now finally has someone to play with him, which he probably hasn't had since Big Moon Dog was down hmm. there. So, and that'll help his form, and it's it's probably has why his form's improved. The last few weeks he's been playing before he got suspended. Probably because he's had big staff down there helping to give him that chop out. And obviously, Menzel takes a bit of distraction as well. So he's not the number one key target anymore. So, yeah. I just think they're this year, I reckon this year and probably next year, the two years they've got to win it. Because you go through their list and a lot of their better players are 27, 28, 29, 30. And Abbott's 34, 35. So I don't know whether he goes another year or not. And even, like, Dangerfield's body is pretty bashed up, because like, that's the sort of player he is, and he's, he's going to be 29. Selwood's the same, he's going to be 29. Um, Scott Selwood's 28. Uh, Hawkins is, in, is 28, 29. So even even their Ruckman, you know, they, they're in 28, 29, they're not good Ruckman. So all these players, their main, you know, players, Taylor, um, you know... All at the wrong side of the age spectrum for me. Like even Tui's twenty nine nearly. As you look at Collingwood, which we're about to talk about, and you look at their main players, and they're all under twenty five. Mm. So that's where I think that they're they're about to hit their twelve o'clock, as Mick Monash would say, on the Premiership clock, and they've got to make something of it the next two years. I reckon. I always challenge it. I'd be interested to see what happens because I think we're reaching a point now where thirty five is a new thirty. I'm not that concerned about players in that 30 to 35 bracket as a, anymore because just because of, you know, modern technology, modern training aspects, modern recovery sessions, they just they just have longer. Like, if if you're injury-free, so someone like Ablett, he's going to end his career, but, like, you know, 
he 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 looks like Judd playing now. He's got he's got dodgy hammies and dodgy shoulders, yeah. and he's and, he, and that's that's not an age thing. That's just a body wear and tear thing. So I think it's more games. And the things with like Selwood and Patty's, he said it's not only their age bracket; it's more just how banged up do they get, how many injuries do they cop. And this year's been the first year, especially for Danger, where it's like, oh, I'm actually having to miss games now. And that's kind of your first warning sign. But age as a pure like KPI of where your list is at, I think that is less now because of that training factor. But as you mentioned. Plenty of upside for Conwood in terms of a list scale and their future progression. Not that much upside from how they performed on the weekend, though. Are we taking anything away from that, or is it more just a one-off type situation? All right, you go back to Hawthorne, round one, we were pretty poor. Didn't play the style of footy that we probably wanted to play. GWS, we played the style of footy we wanted to play, and, and up until probably the weekend, we've definitely played that very much handball-centric, quick-moving, always handball until a bloke running past. So he's not in front, and even sometimes we are handballing in front to give it to the runner again to break the line, break up the zone, and we're able to get it a deep entry inside 50, inside 50 where we've got our smalls. It's pretty much kick at the Cox or Reed or someone tall. If they can't mark it, their first aim is to bring it to ground, and that's where our smalls get going. I think it's a good game style for us because we've got obviously lots of mids, lots of smalls, and we have a lot of talls. And it's been working, and our pressure's been up and about. I, I, I really think that Sunday... We went back to a bit 2017-esque pies with our ball use and kicking in front of goal. It was just because I really feel like we're tired. So I think the fact that we don't have two, seven, or three or four now, seven-day breaks in a row, plus the bye, we'll be able to ease back into it. We've got a pretty, oh, I shouldn't say easy round, because we'll probably get done now, because we don't play Eddie had that well. And St Kilda has stitched us up last two times, I think. But we play St Kilda this week. I think we'll get back on a winning winning side of things we'll probably see a bit more tempo like that tempo of footy where we're pressuring in their faces but yeah like our, I think there's a lot more upside probably from next year onwards you know we've got another we'll probably end up having the top 10 draft pick this year because we'll probably finish you know 7 to 12 uh, we'll have we don't have any in the second round but I'm, I assume we're going to trade a bit to get in because it's a very strong draft you know, obviously Scott Penelbury and, and Sidebottom are having pretty good years, especially Sidebottom, but, you know, Degoe is looking really good. Grundy's now coming of age. Um, Trelaw's starting to lift even more. Um, Sharonberg finally getting a good run at it. It's looking good. Callum Brown looks smart. Um, Tom Phillips has been a good find. Josh Thomas, you know, is finally rewarding the club for his, for his you know, middle misdemeanor. Jack Crisp is coming good. Nathan Murphy, you know, first year's been pretty handy down in the VFL. Obviously, Darcy Moore, Will Oscar Elliott. Um, Jaden Stephenson looks really good. Uh, Braden Maynard, you know, all these blokes are 25, 26 or younger. So, we, you know, they're about to hit their peak, as you'd say. Yep. And we've still got, you know, a few other blokes that are, you know, Langdon and a few others that are injured. Jamie Elliott, you know, I think Fasolo will probably get a run this week. Bucks is making him work for it. So... I kind of like where we're going. I still want us to... I don't really want us to go for Lynch. I want us to keep going through the draft. I want us to keep Darcy Moore and keep Jordan Gowie and keep going with it, what we're, what we're doing now, not try and go for that big fish like we did with Trelaw and cost us two first-rounders. Because I, mm-hmm. think, I think it's proof that if you if you trade him well and smart and draft smartly, like Kelly from Geelong and his... his you know, Cox has been a good one for us, really. And even Flynn Appleby, you look at that. and Or at Ronke for Sydney. You yeah. can, there's plenty of... Talent out there, yeah. yeah. so let's just keep doing that instead of going for the 
the blue ticket items, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I like where we're going, and I think we're, we're, I reckon we'll just miss the eight this year. Yep. Just purely on injuries, because we can't get our best team out there. And it doesn't matter how good your effort is, and I mean, you, you just, we saw North Melbourne, like, your effort's there, your intensity's there, but if you haven't got the good players to go up against the Richmond and West Coast and all those sorts of good teams, then you're probably not going to win enough games to make the eight. Yeah, that agrees then. So that kind of leads into my final questions. I think the first one's pretty obvious is that uh, the prospect of this season probably Geelong's a lot higher than Collingwood. But my next two questions are, of these two teams, which is the more reliable gambling prospect? Obviously, you know, what are the odds? We need to try and make some bucks at some stage. And who's in line for the next premiership? Oh, you definitely back Geelong over Collingwood. Most weeks? Pretty much every week. Um, Yeah, I back Collingwood this week. Get into that a bit later, but yeah, I'll be back in Geelong more often. I think Geelong's closer to a premiership than we are, and I'll probably be back in Geelong to win a premiership before we do. Yeah, just on the simple fact they got some stars Geelong and they play good footy, and I think they've got a really, really good coach. So, not I, the Bucks, not, not bad the, yeah, coach, yeah. but I think the Scott Brothers are pretty. They're both smart pretty coaches. switched on. I've seen it a lot this year already. <laughs> To kick off round nine, Adelaide are at home, $1.16 favourites against the Western Bulldogs, who are $5.30 outsiders. The line here is 35 points and over under of 177. Is this possibly the worst that Bulldogs fans have felt after winning three in a row? They haven't beaten much, have they? They have not indeed. And so they haven't really been convincing in those wins either. No, so they've, uh, they've won games against Carlton, who are 17th, Gold Coast, who are 14th, and Brisbane, who are 18th. Uh, by a combined margin of 44 points. So uh, not not really great four lines considering yeah. where they want to be. But again, they are pretty young, so that's probably the teams that they're against. So they're beating the teams that they need to beat, but obviously there's a big difference between Gold Coast in, in Ballarat in the cold versus Adelaide off a tight showdown loss in Adelaide. Yeah, well, Tex Walker will probably come out and kick six. Everyone will be talking him up again this week because he loves playing a, a bottom feeder team and... Looking good, and you know he's very good in the big games, isn't he? I think I mentioned it last week. He had a really good game, didn't he, against Port? I, well, I, I wrote a, I wrote a slightly satirical uh, article yeah, the other that. day yeah. about Tex Walker, and yeah. the Adelaide fans were not happy about that. But, oh, uh, well, it's true. When you when you have three touches in a in a showdown and do nothing, and in a big, big grand final, and most of the final series last year, to be mm. honest, I don't think he barely had any influence, and. Yeah, if you go back through his history, he does not have a massive influence in big games. So this isn't a big game, so he'll probably do all right. On to the game. Yep. I think Adelaide will do a number here. I think there's... Gowers is I think, the most consistent forward for the Doggies, which is a bit of a worry. The Bont's carrying a niggle, whether he goes over or not. Uh, haven't got a Ruckman. Jacobs just gave birth. He'll probably play, but there was some sort of talk he might miss out. But I'm pretty sure Adelaide... I don't know about the line. It's probably about right. I don't think I'll be touching it. The only one I was thinking was... I think the Doggies will struggle to score. The overs-unders, 176.5. I thought it would be under 176. Yeah, that really does rely on them kicking you know, more than 10 goals, which they which they probably won't against teams that have fairly decent defences or just score heavily as well. Because yeah. you'd think you know maybe Adelaide kick 100, but I don't see any chance of really the Doggies... Chipping in the rest of the 80 points required. No, either so. do I. So I think the unders, and it's you know, going to be a damp, really it's a night dewy, game, yeah. dewy sort of night. So I think the unders 176 is where I'll be heading for that game. And 
I'll be watching because I don't think it'll be much good. It's, but it's good to see Atkins and a few others that step up. You know, the seed. They've been playing some good footy for Adelaide, and the, you know they're missing obviously some stars. They, you know, the Crouch, one of the Crouch boys is done, and Sloan. There's big doubts whether he'll play again this year with his foot. So. Yeah, they've got a few other little injuries, hamstring injuries they keep getting, but I think that they're still good enough to beat the doggies. Hmm. And this will be an interesting one to see, A, how they bounce back from a from an emotional draining showdown loss, which they usually always are, and then B, if their second stringers continue to become almost A-graders, which they which they all have this year, which is yeah. which is great for them and will be great for when it comes to finals time that they get the whole list back. They'll have probably 22 proper good finals-caliber footballers, so... Great for the Crows, but not much good news there for the Dogs. And yeah, tipping Adelaide and probably unders. And uh, don't expect a world bitter of a game on a Friday night. To kick off the Saturday action, North Melbourne are heading to Tassie because I used to say that's where they belong. But you know what? North, you're doing all right now. You can stay. I'm going to send a different team to Tassie and you'll find out a little bit later. The Kangaroos are $1.65 favourites against the Giants, who are $2.25 outsiders. The line here is a goal and a half, and the over-under here, one sixty-five. Are North the second-best team in the comp now, that they only lost to Richmond by 10 points? No. And who would have who <laughs> thought, thought before the start of the year people would have looked at the round nine fixture and gone, yeah, North will start with those 60 favourites. Yeah, silly. It's Absolutely unheard so. of. And you know, we spoke about North last week, and yeah, they're playing good footy. They lots of effort, attitudes right. You know, the senior players are standing up. A few younger blokes are you know starting to chip in, but surely they're not they're not like this year's Western Bulldogs, are they? They're not going to keep just being plucky and do what they got to do, and then realise they're not that good. Or like they're getting. Yeah, I, I just I don't get it. I, I still think their midfield is this big. So like you got your Higgins, your Cunnington, Zeebel. They're big body midfielders who are getting the ball out and to the outside runners, and they're doing pretty well. And you know Simkin and the likes are playing some good footy. I'm almost I can't I, I just still can't tip them. Yeah, I can't. I've seen this- GWS the last few weeks, and yeah, they're struggling to score. They've been a bit poor. They get Kelly back. They get Caniglio. Um, so Caniglio's playing some good for it. Kelly back. There's some others that they might get in as well that would probably strengthen their team up. But surely Leon Cameron's now job is on on notice. Well, that's what I'm about to say with the Giants. Is it a case of injuries caught up with them? Is it a culture problem or is it a little bit of both? Definitely culture early doors. and Because they had so much talent that they thought they just, it would just happen. I think they've gotten over that now. And you can see why like the the balls I was on a hamstring but he was good uh, Lloyd Reed, those sorts of players are playing more footy and adding that blue collar to them, which is really good injuries are massive for them because they've had a lot of players obviously traded out who are absolute stars all playing regular footy at other clubs they've still got some absolute guns at that club but it also drops away a little bit just because it, yeah they've got lots, still lots of first round and second round players through the draft but they're only first or second mm. or even third year in the system so it takes, you know, most, unless you're an absolute jet, it takes them three to five years to develop and become, you know, seasoned footballers. So that's why they're probably caught out with those injuries. They probably haven't got the depth to cover them. Like, you know, you can't cover a Toby Green or a, or a Cameron or a Davis, those sorts of things. And I think that's where people have backed North Melbourne right in is because they haven't got Phil Davis this week. So obviously Brown then, who's going to play on Brown? Uh, Thomason got 
shown up a bit last week by both Darley and Kennedy. Um, you got the Ruck Jewel, you know, Goldstein and Proust, you know, or Goldstein mainly, but he hasn't been that good really with given his midfielders advantages around clearances. Greyworth City have lobbed Pony's second week. For me, it's just, I can't see where the goals come from from GWS. So Cameron's obviously playing, whether Patton comes back and plays solely as a forward. Yeah, but I just can't, I can't, I'm not going to tip either here. And there's no, the only thing I thought money wise was maybe um, the under 165, I think it is. But otherwise, I think I'm just going to leave this game alone. I'll probably tip Greater Western Sydney in my tipping and just hope for the best. And cross now. And when we say across, we mean all the way across. We're going overseas, boys and girls. It's time to go back to China. It's that time again. Gold Coast are $6.05 outsiders in their home fixture against Port Adelaide, who are $1.13 favourites. The line here is 41.5. The over-under is 157, which when you do the maths, doesn't make that much sense. Um, last week in the showdown, did Port show they're a good side? Or they're only a good side when everything's in their favour? I think they've got themselves up for it, especially when... Uh, I think Hinkley got himself up for it. Definitely sure. afterwards. They, at half time, that was a six-minute celebration. I was, at half-time, I had a bit of strife, and Robbie Gray said, I'm going to put you on my shoulders. Yep, everyone on board. Everyone just get on these big shoulders, and I'm going to win the game. And he did it, and then they nearly threw it away, and Wingard, I don't know what he was thinking. And then you see Motlock kick the goal, and you think, what were some of Adelaide defenders thinking? This is why I don't like putting numbers behind the footy, because blokes... Think that someone else is going to do it because you got one or two. And in the last the second, everyone goes, "Oh, no one's done it." Yeah, they all and fall and they someone, all just collide yeah. to each other, and then it's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's why I don't like because it's just that, like, especially with with bloke like, with the way systems are and the zones and setups, a bloke peels off thinking, "Oh, we're going to win the footy," or "I've got to get over here now because we're about to win the footy with the outnumber." Well, if you don't win the footy, you're done. You're in no man's land and you're stuffed. That's why I don't like playing the spare man behind the footy. For me, I don't really care about this game. It's a waste of time. Put out a little win. They could win by 100. They could win by 50. They could win by 10. Don't they really, will win. Don't, don't really care. And I'm not punting or anything on this game because it's stupid. It's in China. It's There's a, too many variables. Waste of time. Just I'll see you in two weeks for Port and Gold Coast. Yeah. And I think Gold Coast, you know, they just need to rest. They, they, they're they caring more about what they're going to do on Service Paradise from their week off the week after this, not... Yeah. How are they going to get up for this game in China? Yeah, because like they can, they can just they're probably not going to play finals. They can just write this one off as well and go right. Our season starts in round eleven. Yeah, you watch them be a better side after their bye week and when they start getting a few home games. Yeah, absolutely. All right, talking of teams in crisis, not that Gold Coast is, but this mob certainly are. Essendon four dollar thirty five outsiders, and that's short, I reckon. Uh, against Geelong, a dollar twenty-two favourites. The line here is thirty and a half. The over/under or one sixty-eight. Now, if you were the Bombers, yeah, would you just sack Warsfold, whether he's to blame or not, just to give you the kind of free pass to have a really terrible back two-thirds of the season? You can just go, all right, we're going to start another rebuild now, and if we lose every game for the rest of the year, who cares now? Because we're going to start this new culture. We're going to do something different. Does that need to happen, or are they not in crisis? It's only round. It's only round nine. Like they could. Oh no, they're. They could potentially they're, make they're, finals still. They're in trouble. Well, they lost the Blues, so they're they're, they're cooked. They, they haven't looked good at all this year. Like even round one, you could see that there was a few deficiencies, and they got over the line after this poor third quarter. And 
they'd be Adelaide and everyone was up and about. They were up and about. Mm. But well, you and I spoke about this. We said all through pre-season, Essendon will be stinkers this year. And it's coming to fruition here. We're seeing it. And I know, for me, I think worst fold has made a rod for his own back a bit. Because last week he had an opportunity to play young kids. And if they lost to Carlton playing these young kids, the fans would be a bit more accepting. This week he's already named, he's already today, they've already named there's going to be two debutants. There might be more. So now he's gone, all right. And they've sucked Neil to make him a scapegoat. And, and now, now, well, they didn't sack him, he resigned, mate. Oh, it's, That's how much of a scapegoat he was. Yeah. They had to, they fought, they, well, okay. I believe, we don't actually know, but I believe they forced him to say, you resign, mate. Of course they did. They got to say they sacked a coach after round eight. And then they'd say he's the. He's a style coach and like he runs the, or how they play their footy and stuff. And today at worst folds, like, oh no, we all have a say in it. Then why did he get sacked for it then? There's mixed messages again coming from the club. But then how do you, how do you gauge their bounce back ability, which we've talked about over the last two years? They sucked the coach, they're under the pump. So is this the honeymoon, you, is this the honeymoon period? Is this the game going? where they go, I'm going to stick it up everyone? Yeah. We're going to bounce back and maybe win a game against Geelong who, might be a bit, you know, but surely Scott will get Geelong up knowing that, oh, look, they're going to come out here fighting for the first quarter or so. If oh, we get, and when we smash them. Can we just ride that for a quarter, make sure we like, We're in touching distance and then... Yeah, or even play we'll like they did against us. Play that slow football, play that slow football. Keep, keep we you know, hang on to almost like tempo, temp, tempo style football. Let them go, oh, hang on a minute, this is a waste of time, we're shit. And then run over the top of them. Well... It starts with the source, and like they can't win they their can't own, they can't win their own no, footy. No. So they're going up against Ablett, Dangerfield, Selwood, Duncan, Kelly, like and Devin Smith, you know, and Heppel are probably the only two midfielders having a crack. So like they're not going to win that battle, and if they can't win the source football, the only thing they're not going to win off they're not going to win off turnover if Geelong doesn't turn over. They play slow footy like they did against you last week. So yeah, and they're very good. They're the best conversion team or second best mm. conversion team in the AFL. Geelong they go inside fifty, they score. Yeah. Hurley's probably out for Essendon box thing, so <laughs> that's weak again. Yeah. And who's going to kick their goals with no... Like, McKernan, Stewart, just doesn't... Just, it just stinks of... I'm not going to leave this... I'm not going to touch this game. I, I did think maybe Essendon align at 31 points. They might make it close. But I'm not going to touch this game because you just worry about bounce-back ability, which we talked about. But nothing would surprise me more if Geelong came out and battled them by more than 60. Well, uh... I've got my best bet around in this one, Ooh. and it's Geelong to win the third quarter by seven and a half points or more. Oh well, yeah, that's because probably. it's just been proven that they just go to sleep after half time, and it's happened every week, and it hasn't stopped happening. So until it does, I'm going to back it every week. Well, Carlton got us two dollars sixty three last week, and they're going to they're going to keep on giving me you know I'm giving you dollar eighty four to win by seven and a half points. So if you're going to keep on giving me around two bucks for it, I'm going to keep on taking it. So. There's money for the bank for you on that one. And yeah, tip is definitely Geelong. I think it's gonna, it's a lose-lose wrestling. Because all I see is the Bombers losing a close one and just like another another knife to the heart. Yeah. Or this game's over at quarter time and we got we got four blokes outside burning flags and shirts and banners and stuff <laughs> like that was last week. So. What, do, what do you reckon about the over-unders? So it's 168.5. Do you reckon that's about right? Well, yeah, again, if they cover the line, you can see Geelong kicking 100 points and keeping Essendon to about 60 or 70. Yeah, I, so. I, I, really, see, I really struggle to see Essendon kicking a score. Yeah. So unless it's like 
Collingwood Geelong last week where both teams kicked about 60 points. I can't see Essendon keeping up unless someone pops up and kicks a seven like Ronk. Mm. And even then, they only kicked 12 goals, Sydney. So it, I, I expect you know Tom Hawke's back. There's 50-50 on Menzel, Sav, a few other blokes around that, you know, that uh, Fogarty, Menangola, those sorts of boys have been doing all right. Like, yeah, I just can't see... And I can't see Essendon defending them either. So it, it, the more I talk about it, it's more I just think John and thump them, but... Again, I worry about that bounce, bounce back ability. It's not it. science, but it's been proven to work in the past, so we'll keep on referring to it. St Kilda are $3.48 outsiders at home under the dome to the Collie Wobbles, $1.32 favourites. The line here is 20.5, the over-under, 167. And Saints, I'm about to go on a eulogy for you. Here's your eulogy. Since round two, the Saints have averaged... 58.7 points per game, and conceded on average 94.7. Their average losing margin has been 42 points. That's right, seven goal losing margins. Their kicking accuracy is a whopping 38.5%. That's 10% below the league average. They are managing eight goals a match, two fewer than the next worst team in the competition. They are last in clearances, equal last in contested possessions, so long story short, the Saints can't win their own ball. They can't use it when it's gifted to them on turnover. And when they do find themselves in, the, in their own forward 50, they can't convert. My solution is to send St Kilda to Tassie. Wow. So now oh, we weren't meant to talk about St Kilda because they did lose to North Melbourne first. Yes. And, um, and now we can't. Well, you know what? If they, if they get done again this week, it's gonna be, we're going to reinforce the cone of silence, I reckon. In the third quarter, they showed a bit against Ferrer. They moved the ball a bit quicker. They kicked some goals. Got back in the game, then they stuffed a few opportunities again, and then Ferro just took over. They play this; they've beaten us the last two years through playing this like speed ballistic style footy. Mm. That's what concerns me. They're going to rock up, think we're going to win, and they're going to bounce out of the blocks and we won't be able to catch them, which is what they did last year. I'm pretty sure. Are you going to be able to kick straight this week? Well, we've been pretty good at converting this year until only from. Uh, open shots though not from set shots Yeah, well, you're still like bottom three for set shots in the comp and you were bottom three last year for set shots yeah probably won't kick straight but they were they so it might be alright uh, every every part of me says that we should win this one to 39 yeah oh, I just have you to cover the 20 I just went one to 39 because it's two bucks and we're not going to win by eight or seven or eight goals it's, a, it's, it's St Kilda their average losing margin is 42 points Oh, it's close enough 39, isn't it? <laughs> but you win my lose by 40 points. I just... <laughs> yeah, take you over. Imagine that. That would be peak St Kilda this year. You take them 1 to 39 to lose, and they lose by 41. Yeah, that would probably happen too. Yeah. I, look, to be honest, I, I wouldn't really want to touch this game. Yeah, either. you leave it alone. There's too many... The only, there's not that many different variables. It's just I, I, how I, much. I still don't trust Collingwood either. Hmm. But you trust them enough to win. You're obviously tipping Collingwood oh, look, this one. This is, this, I'm tipping Collingwood and I'm watching this game thinking we should win this, which means I'll get more angry and frustrated watching yeah. the game we'll have than, to go than out. I would last, last Sunday when I was watching Geelong's. I'm like, oh, we're probably going to lose. I'm sitting there relaxed. So I'm thinking anything better than, than a, a thumping, yeah, thumping yeah. is okay. Yeah. But when I, when I watch games where we should be winning against St Kilda, that's the time where I like to flip me lid yeah. if we don't win and do good things. So... So, LG, if you're listening, we might need a new OLED by this time next week when the uh, <laughs> remote's being thrown through it. Very interesting game, this one, because of some interesting trends. 
Sydney are a dollar twenty favourites at home, hosting Fremantle. Four dollars sixty outsiders. The line here is twenty seven and a half. The over under one fifty nine point five. Sydney are terrible at home they this are. year. They have been ordinary. Fremantle are terrible away. Yes, very. They play about a half. So what do we do there? I just went Sydney one thirty nine, and I think I think the unders would probably be close as well because you know. Sydney won't have Buddy. They're probably going to kick 12 to 13 goals. So there's 78, 80 points. And Freo have been struggling to kick goals as well since they've lost a few forwards, Taverner and, and such. So I can't see them kicking any more than, than 10 or 11 goals. So I'll see an unders and, yeah, Sydney 1 to, 1 to 39. Because I, I, Sydney aren't a team that's going to blow, blow a team away this year, especially without Buddy and Hanbury and a few others. They had a pretty taxing game on Friday night. Freo will probably enjoy the confined spaces of SCG with their midfield, like you know Fife and Neil. Uh, well, when you roll in Fife, Neil, and Sandy, yeah, you reckon that Freo probably win the midfield contest. Yeah, you, you, but you're backing in Parker and Jack. But like, when you say you're going to back in Parker and Jack, they haven't done anything. So the other concern I have about Sydney... Parker's been good. He was, he was their best on ground on Friday night. Jack's well, been wasn't okay. their best on ground on Friday night. Seven goal wrong. Seven goals, oh. ten tackles is clearly best on ground. Yeah, but Parker did the stuff right. Rowan was pretty good, actually, on, on Friday night. Started to create... He's playing deep forward, funnily enough, which I've been calling for for the last two years. But when you look at Sydney's performances in their wins, it relied heavily on one guy bringing out a massive workload. So it's been Buddy twice with huge bags. It's been Kennedy in his blistering form Kennedy against... Kennedy's the one I'm thinking of. Kennedy's he's been his... terrible. Except, except for, for his Geelong. game against Geelong. Yeah. You had Ronk against Hawthorne kicking seven, yeah. which is more than half their goals. So they're relying heavily on one bloke. Where you look at Fremantle... Like, they had three blokes who apparently in their best in a 70-point loss. So whether or not you agree with that or not, it's a different story. But do you think winning the midfield's enough in Sydney and what most likely will be a low-scoring game for for the Dockers to snag one? No, nah, because Sydney has put numbers by on the footy. And there's no, nothing threatening up forward for Freo. So they'll, they'll put two or three behind the footy. They'll try and force Freo to kick long, turn the footy over a slingshot, which is what they do really, really well at the SCG, which... Funny enough, they've struggled a bit this year with. Uh, hopefully, I mean, Ross might set up for that as well. So it could be an even tighter contest. I just think Sydney win. Like, they they have to win. They can't keep dropping games like these at home. Like, they wouldn't have counted dropping North, and they probably wouldn't have counted dropping Port. And they can't... They, I think they've got a pretty tough... I can't off the top of there, but I'm pretty sure they travel... They've got a tough game again next week. Uh, so... Surely they win this, and Fremantle. Like they've been struggling away. They're a different team at home. Uh, yeah, Sydney win one to thirty nine. It's about two bucks, and I'd probably take the unders of one fifty nine point five. Yep, and that's probably a healthy same match multi, depending on which book you want to go with. But yeah, Sydney should win that, and if they don't, massive, massive, massive question marks about their yeah. September action. We'd probably want to be talking about them next week if they don't get up. Super interesting game, this one, for some very nonsensical reasons. Carlton, $5.30 outsiders at home against Melbourne, who are $1.16 favourites, which is just inconceivable to mine. The line here is 33.5, the over-under, 170.5. The 
The lid is off at Princess Park, ladies and gentlemen. After 266 days between group sing-alongs, things are bright and bubbly again in Carlton. They had seven players sing the song for the first time, so it's lucky it was a simple one. So many they couldn't actually do, like get in the huddle in the middle. They just had to let everyone be in the middle. Yeah. Too big. Too many, too many first-time winners. But more importantly, can they back it up against the D's? Melbourne have not beaten anyone this year and it's it, people are starting to come out and talk them up again. And it, 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 so here's the interesting trend. It, this it annoys is, me. This is the very non-scientific Brian Barrel Randall theory when it comes to Melbourne. So they went tight win, comfortable win, big win, rounds one, two, three. That was followed by two massive losses, the embarrassing one to Hawthorne and the blowout, the rear end blowout to Richmond. Yes, it was a tight loss to Geelong. Round one. Yeah. Then two big wins. Yeah. Then they had two shit losses. Massive losses. Then I had a comfortable win, another comfortable win, and a big win on the weekend. Have we seen the pattern yet? You know what we're due for? A really embarrassing loss. This is my theory on Melbourne. I've been saying this all year, that when they start stringing one or two wins together, they get out in the media, they start talking a bit of smack. They think they're better than they are. Probably Gorney's going to have an article tomorrow or Friday. And then all of a sudden they rock up at the G or, the, or Eddie Hatt or wherever they're playing and they get knocked off. So luckily it's at the G for Melbourne's sake because they don't play Eddie Hatt very well. But I think the line of 33 for Carlton is pretty generous. I think they haven't... They've been pretty competitive in most games. Obviously Adelaide, they got smashed, but they've been around the mark. And I think Melbourne, they they were flattered by the score last week because up to about three-quarter time... Gold Coast were only three or four goals down. And they were coming, actually. They they got back with it, I think it was in three goals. And then last quarter, they just capitulated and, and Melbourne kicked away, which was pretty disappointing. And I find it funny that, you know, the media talks up Melbourne now, and but then they'll say that Collingwood's beaten no one. So how does that work? Like, if we've beaten no one, so we're no good. But Melbourne haven't beaten anyone either, but they've beaten three low sides last three weeks. All of a sudden, they get talked up as being, you know, premiership hopes again. Look, this has this has the writings over it as the upset of the round. I'm not willing to put. Oh, we're that. so keen to go five thirty, just because it's way too high. It is way too high. But the the line is still the line, juicy. The line 35, 33 and a half, sorry, is pretty juicy. I reckon under one seventy point five as well, because. I mean, Melbourne have been scoring right lately, but they still look a bit dysfunctional going forward. And everyone's talking about like McDonald and 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 um, Hogan and how good they are. But for me, I think there's still that that midfield just doesn't really gel and doesn't really, they don't make smart decisions going inside fifty. They they pretty much kick goals and scored so well against poor opposition because they just don't have the defence. Hmm. And even sort of against against St Kilda, they struggled for ages to break St Kilda and. The only time they got secure was on the transition because secure can't defend. And you'd say arguably in terms of the contested ball, Carlton can probably match them or at least match them for long enough that it won't be any more than a six-point, yeah, six-goal loss. Cripps, Kerno, Fisher, those boys are playing really good footy. So. And there might be a few extra more players coming up. Murphy said he was a week away, so he probably comes back. And you know, that adds to them. And I think, I think Hogan and McDonald match up really well for Rowan Jones. And Marchback might be back as well. So... You know, there's lots of upside for Carlton. And, you know, they, they deserve their win last week because they have been around the mark. They've been okay. Um, there's like, like we've been talking about, they've been just too young and too inexperienced. Really, they haven't had the bigger bodies, and they don't really come up against a mature-bodied side in Melbourne. You know, the midfield isn't that big either. So, you know, 
you um Oliver and, and Jones stuff, but they're not like big beasts of bodies. They can probably match it with them. Yeah, I reckon the line plus thirty three and a half, maybe under one seventy point five. I'm still undecided. That's what I was just thinking about. It's probably a no bet game to be fair. I'm gonna tip Melbourne, but I would not be surprised at all. Like last week we spoke about Carlton Essendon, I would not be surprised at all if Carlton won. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's exciting times if you're a Carlton fan going forward. Absolutely. We spoke about this last week. Maybe they do have their culture stuff right. But yeah, going forward I reckon you wouldn't mind being a Carlton fan right now. Yeah. If you're a Carlton fan, tip Carlton. Maybe even put a tenner on them to upset it five dollars thirty. The prime time Sunday game is Brisbane at home, two dollar eighty outsiders. Versus Hawthorne, who are dollar forty-four favourites. The line here is a interesting fifteen and a half, and the over/under one eighty and a half. Hodgie obviously playing his uh, return game against the old Hawks. But uh, most important question here: I need some help with some coach speak. What is performance anxiety? Get nervous when they're about to win, I think. But only when they're about to win. When it comes to the Lions, well, they were pretty ordered in the first quarter. Louis Taylor, they were on a run. They're coming back. They had all the momentum. And you coach young guys. There's no, there's no way that you guys are thinking about you're about to win, and then you get nervous, and then you no, no. Surely the momentum just runs out. I think, I think, I think he's probably alluding to stupid mistakes they make. So that Louis Taylor one, where he tried to handball over the top. Now I'm pretty sure you taught it around probably out at twelve, thirteen. That you probably you don't want to kick unless you're kicking a goal and you've got enough space. You don't really want to kick over the man on the mark. You want to kick on a slight angle to stop that from happening. So when you kick, you want to kick on a, like almost like a 30 degree, even you know, 15 degrees. Next to the hand. Yeah. Thank you. You don't want to go hand. straight over. Same with handballing. You want to give him the op. The you don't want to be. Cl- a, you don't want to be close enough, and B, you don't want to give him the option of getting a hand in the way. Nothing frustrates me more. So A, you should have pushed back further. And he probably, the guy was 10 metres away, so he probably could have kicked it to him out in front and let him run onto it. I didn't really see what Dan Grant said, whether he was going to have, you know, someone come and follow at him. But that sort of stuff is a coach killer. And they do it week in, week out, where they get they get within a goal or two and look like they're a chance. And there's this coach killer mistakes that, like Louis Taylor's played enough footy, you should know better. You expect that from, you know, someone like a Rainer or something like that. You know, a young guy playing his first, second year, like a Witherden or something. Mm. Not from Louis Taylor. I, I reckon they're a sneaky chance here. Well, this is, this strikes me very much similar to the Collingwood game, where I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout and be whoever got the pill last. See, I, I think Sydney and North have shown teams how to beat Hawthorne this year. You pretty much... Make sure they don't get that outside run to Smith and Bruce. If you stop, so Smith only had like two or three meters gain last week. You stop him and Bruce had, he had some impact but very little. And and they, Hawthorne struggled to move the footy effectively. Well, also they struggled to win the footy. So everyone's been talking about these three players this year: McAvoy, Mitchell, and O'Meara. If yeah. they're that good, how come Hawthorne's getting smashed in the clearances and all their losses? Yeah. So they lost double digits to. Uh, north or minus twelve in clearances, uh, minus twelve in uh, yeah in clearances, and minus eleven to Sydney in clearances on Friday. And for the whole season, and they've played some pretty poor teams as well. They only average one point three clearances more than their opponents. Yeah. So, if if these three players are that good and they form the core of their core of their clearance crew, 
Well, then, why aren't they winning anymore? And they got smashed with Kennedy, barely getting a touch last week as well. And do you take any anything into like what's happening with Clarkson and anymore? It was a very weird weekend from Clarkson, wasn't it? Where yeah. you had, uh, maybe I'm not up for it, maybe it's my fault, maybe I should move on. Yeah. Which could be code, could be code for... I'm going to JWS. Well, just, well, just like if anyone wants me, show me the money, I think. We saw I'll, 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 But Kennedy doesn't want him there. Yeah. Like... From their history, you'd suggest that Kenneth would, wouldn't mind clearing some cash off the soft cap to make thing, make his life a bit easier. But then also, you know, then it was, you know, have a dig at his former teammate and pretty good friend about the tactics that every club in the AFL uses. Yeah, and, then and then have lunch the next day with Buddy Gill and say, oh, how about you change it? And then get the rule changed midweek. Yes, and after the AFL said they weren't going to change any rules at the end of the season. Yeah. The best thing I like about that is Longmire took two days to really respond. And then he went through like six instances where Hawthorne had scoring opportunities from mm. them doing the exact same thing. And I'm really worried about this week's AFL games because there's going to be so many shit free kicks given by umpires who are guessing about blocking because the AFL has now sent out a directive. Anyway, I, I, I'm a bit worried about where Hawthorne are at. I reckon they could be in for a flat spot. And I, I really think that Brisbane could be our roughly of the week, two weeks in a row. There you go. If they can stop Smith and Bruce and stop that outside run, which we've seen two teams do really well this year, and it's really hurt them. If they can stop Gunston from kicking a goal, because he's really their main threat at the moment. Absolutely. And, and he's like, a good threat at that, though. Oh, he's a, he's a freak. And if they can try and limit Sicily's involvement down back, then... I really think that, yeah, Brisbane are a good, in with a good shot. And Hitwood doesn't kick five out in the full. He kicks three or four goals. They would have won last week, and he might be up for it this week. And, yeah, it's, Steph Martin's a great ruckman and should not be underestimated here. And he could probably he probably has McAvoy around the ground and stuff as well. So he he's, plays as almost an extra midfielder. So for me, I reckon I'm going to tip Brisbane and might take Brisbane to win if... If not, I'll probably look at the under-overs as well because obviously to me, you probably think it's been a high-scoring game. Yeah. So 180 is 90 points aside, whether that gets knocked off as well. But yeah, I think I'm just going to tip Brisbane. Yep, I'm ready to roll with that. I'm happy. That's probably the like, some, that's probably more likely than Carlton beating Melbourne. But I'd, I'd love to see both happen this week because it'd just be just be good for the for the stories and the football narrative that comes out of it. Now we roll in. To the most important game of the season so far. West Coast are hosting, but they are $2 outsiders at home at Optus Stadium against the reigning premiers and number one side in the comp, Richmond, who are $1.81 favourites. The line here is one and a half. The over-under, 164. It's an absolute 50-50 game. Do you know the last time that Richmond was the all-round number one team in the comp when that was? Tell me, you're about to tell me. 1949. Oh, so is, it, is that now? Is it till now? So this year's yeah, the first this Yeah, time. so the last time that Richmond Football Club in AFL-VFL history was the best scoring team and the best points conceded team at any point in the competition was round two of the 1949 season. Oh, it's been a long, was it 70 years? <laughs> yeah. And uh, in that season, ironically, we finished six out of 12 teams, which is as ninth as you can get. Yes, and you, so, didn't, uh, and you didn't win the flag. Didn't win the flag, obviously. Didn't make finals. But uh, what's your take on this one? As a Richmond fan, I'm a bit nervous about this because I think West Coast played the kind of football that defeats the Richmond press. 
Well, we saw last week with the tall forwards causing a bit of trouble for Richmond because the Richmond defenders then had to be accountable. Correct. Well, West Coast have got some pretty handy ones. They got you got the two best. Oh, they got the two best, but obviously Lysett as well. And uh, Nick Nat comes back in, so there's you know there's rumours that you know Big Nank might be out. And if oh, Big Ido, what's his name, Ivo, I can't even say his name. That's how irrelevant he is. If he comes in, then there's a. I reckon, yeah, I just think West Coast could have a field day in the midfield because you know Cochin's back, obviously, but. Martin hasn't been great. Does he play more midfield this week? Yeah, yeah. He has to, doesn't he? He absolutely has to. If you're to win this game, Martin has to play majority midfield. Yeah. But for me, I just think, like, Darling... So, Darling, Waterman, Kennedy, uh, Cripps, Rioli, um, Archie was pretty good, actually, on the weekend as well. Uh, Lacroix. That that forward line just is multi... It's a lot of... A lot of players that can do damage to mm. a back line. So they've got to be accountable. They can't all of a sudden just peel and support. And they'll, West Coast will be setting themselves for this. Absolutely. And I think 1 to 39 West Coast at $2.40 and even West Coast to win at 2 bucks is an absolute... is probably the best bet of the week. Because I don't reckon they'll blow you out of the water. Uh, and You play MCG very well. You've got a great record at MCG but then you start looking elsewhere when you've travelled and your record's not as great. No. Uh, even earlier this year, you know, you went to Adelaide and you played at Eddie had last week and you weren't as, as dominant. You go on to Perth this year, this week, which actually in Perth, you actually have a really good record, but that was at the old stadium. It was a bit bigger. Yeah, same as our record at the SCG, which suits our game style. Yeah, yeah. So you go on to the new Perth stadium. Yeah, I just think West Coast win and the odds are in, in our favour here and even the over-unders. So it's 164. I thought it'd go over that because I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game. Yeah, I'm concerned about that just because I think when two close teams face off and you get that funnels-type intensity, you just get funnels-like scores. So 80 each is probably about right. I really liked West Coast 1-39. to Yeah. And especially the way... So where Richmond have dominated this year is against teams that are handball-first teams. Handball chain for clearance to release the kicker. So West Coast don't need to release the kicker. They lost... Prittis and they lost Mitchell in the off-season, who are handball release, yep. mid, like midfield clearance players. Yep. And then I replaced them with, with a whole fleet of midfielders, essentially, who carry the load. But all they what they do first is kick. They kick for metres gained. So then it, it makes... They kick and they find a small target, or they kick and kick it wide, and they release, they release the second kicker down the ground, which is way more dangerous against Richmond, and they can't, they can't clog, they clog the corridors or clog the, the half channels as well. So I think just this is the game style. This is the game style that we should have lost to in the grand final. We didn't because Adelaide didn't show up. Yeah. This is the game style we lost to in Adelaide when they did show up. Yeah. And this is the game style that will beat us. They're at home. They're up for it. And we've had seven weeks in a row of being up for it. So probably in terms of longevity of the season, Harbert wouldn't be deeply concerned if they lose because like well, we we probably realistically can't stay up for the whole year. So we'll, we'll cop the loss. It's out, it's out west. The Richmond diehards aren't really seeing it, and no one will be writing backstage stories. Yeah. Whereas we lose to you know one of the big old foe teams at the MCG, something that's a big issue, and and West Coast want to prove a point and say none of your Victorians like us, none of your Victorian rate us, or well, we just beat the reigning champs. So how about you start rating us now? Yeah, well, West Coast that midfield's a bit underrated. I think it was Absolutely. Like Sheed, Redden, uh, Yo, 
Um, Gaff, Shui, obviously Shui's out. And, you know, Willie Riley's been rolling through there and shining a bit. Like, how, like, he's another another Clark sort of player that you look through and go, how did he not get pick up, picked up earlier? Uh, Cripps goes through there as well. You know, Hutchings is playing a role. He's got I've just got him in my super coach to keep going, mate. Marston plays a role. Shepard's been really good down back for him. So, yeah, they're a bit unheralded. And I'll probably, if they win this game, they'll start getting a bit more attention, especially on this side of town down in Melbourne way. But for my roughie, my roughy rough, this is rough. So rough? Sports bet are offering a special year. Okay. So Darling, Kennedy, Rewalt, all to kick three or more goals. That's 11 bucks. Concerned about Rewalt in those, in those ones? He'll probably get a few cheapies. But I reckon Darling and Kennedy, the, the form they're in, especially at home, they'll get an opportunity to kick three. Absolutely, yeah. So I just thought that was a bit of a fun little... Yeah, 11-bucker, So, yeah, but I reckon West Coast win. And, and Richmond, like, if they lose, I, they've already been speaking about in the last week about how they're going to start managing players for the rest yeah. of the year. And So I don't really think they're concerned about losing. They're already prepping themselves for September, which is dangerous in itself. Absolutely. But I think they're still a good enough team to, to win enough games, finish... They should finish top four, really, and definitely should finish top two. You need to want to, you want to make sure it's top two because you don't want to be playing West Coast at any stage over there. Or, or Sydney. Or, or Sydney or, or Adelaide. Port. Yeah, or Adelaide, yeah. So you want to be careful with that. But I think I think you, you're in a good spot, Richmond. Alrighty then, the moment you've been waiting for our feature bets. And so we'll start with our multi, which starts on Friday night, Adelaide versus the Western Bulldogs to go under the 176.5 points total. Combine that with Sydney to win 1-39 to margin and West Coast to win by 1-39 margin. That gives you a pretty tasty multi of 9 bucks to get your weekend underway. Our Ruffy is also on the Sunday last game. That is, of course, our Kennedy Darling Rewalt all to kick three each. That will give you 11 bucks, which is tasty as. Our value is Brisbane to have the upset of the round against the Hawks and for Hodgie to get his ultimate revenge. And our best bets, the one that never fails, Geelong to win the third quarter against Eston by seven and a half points or more. And of course, the power from out west to upset the apple cart over here in Victoria, West Coast to win one to thirty nine. Uh, we have to repeat the best bets this year up forty seven percent, seventy percent strike rate. We suggest that one of those two will definitely get up, and you'll be in the black this week. 